before the Bible reading this morning, let me pray with, with us. Thank you, Father, for making yourself known to us and showing us the way of salvation through faith in your Son. Teach us through your word and equip us for every good work for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Bible reading for this morning is Matthew chapter 28. I'll start reading from verse 11 to 20. Matthew 28. I'll start reading from verse 11. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. This story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would teach us in your authority and about your authority through your Holy Spirit this morning. We pray May your word and your spirit speak deep into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Easter to you all. Uh, and you might think I'm raving mad and I've lost a week. But actually, in the life of the church, we celebrate Easter for another six weeks. Seven weeks of celebration from Easter through to the day of Pentecost. That's where we get the word Pente from 50. What I want to say to you this morning, and what I want to challenge myself about this morning, is something really simple, and it's this. That Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' authority, that authority, all authority in heaven and earth, they are linked. They are two sides of a coin. You can't detach them. Because in this resurrection, Jesus has been given, do you see it, verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, we can highlight that by saying what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, folks, I've been raised from the dead, and my Father has given me just a little bit of authority on earth, and now I have just a, a, a tiny bit of a sway, a bit more of a sway up in heaven as well. Look at verse 18 again. Look at the, the power of it. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. In, in other words, Jesus has the master key to every door in heaven and on earth. 
Jesus has risen from the dead, and therefore the buck stops with him. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Resurrection and authority belong to him. Well, if that's the case, and if that's the truth, you might ask the question, well then, how does Jesus' authority affect me? How does it affect you? Well, according to this passage, Jesus' authority should shape two responses. We're going to see them this morning. First of all, Christ's authority should bring forth our worship. Now, let me just say, worship isn't just singing. It's not just getting a guitar uh, or playing a piano, as my colleague can do, and I'm absolutely hopeless at. No, worship is living our life under Jesus' authority 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's how we drive a car. It's, it's how we, we, we love our families. It's a lifestyle of following Jesus all the time. So first, Christ's authority should bring forth our worship. But secondly, his authority should drive us out to make disciples. So we're going to look at that first point this morning. Christ's authority should bring forth our worship. Look at verse 17, will you? It says there, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And then look at verses 11 to 13, and you'll see how this all fits together. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised the plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You're to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were sleeping. For the religious leaders, the resurrection produced something that was quite the opposite of worship. Instead, what it produced in them was denial, a, a desperate attempt to cover everything up. Now, did you see that the chief priests didn't argue with the guards' account? They don't argue even with what the women say. They simply want to bribe the guards away. They want to get rid of this story as quick as possible. They want to stop this story leaking out to the public so that people start following Jesus. They're willing to bribe. These Jewish elders and religious leaders are willing to bribe Roman soldiers. But what about the made-up story? Imagine sleepy guards completely undisturbed as the disciples bash away at sledgehammers and chisels trying to get that stone stone tomb open and the seals broken. Maybe these soldiers were dead asleep, but a hammer bashing beside me would even wake me out of a sleep. I'm not saying something. Well, instead of worshipping the resurrected Jesus, the religious leaders, the chief priests and elders, they deny his resurrection and his authority. But why did they try to cover it up? Well, they understood perfectly that in the resurrection, Jesus' authority had far surpassed their own. And the religious leaders have always been opposed to Jesus. Whether it was healing on the sick, uh, of the sick on the Sabbath, forgiving sins in Mark chapter 2, or, or teaching from the law of Moses. So this is a false rumor to overthrow the authority of Jesus, to make the resurrection alive. 
But what about today? Well, I find that denying the resurrection is a convenient way of dodging Jesus' claim to authority. People say he, he might have been a good teacher, or perhaps a prophet, some might argue. A martyr, possibly. But the Son of God risen from the dead? Well, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he has been raised from the dead. But if he did not raise him, in fact, the dead are not raised. And if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And then those also who have been fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Some of you who think Christianity is just a myth, I challenge you to read about it. To study it. I challenge you to get a, a, a book by Lee Strobel, S-T-R-O-B-E-L, The Case for the Resurrection. I ask you to read the Gospels. I ask you to read the Epistles. See these men's lives change from cards into confidently proclaiming the Gospel. What made the change? See, Christ is risen. And this is the best news you could ever hear because through the resurrection of Jesus, our sins can be forgiven. We can enter a new relationship with our God. We can have a new life with our Creator. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brings us a fork in the road. One path leads to new life with God, a new life of worship. The other path leads to denial. Mockery. On which road are you traveling today? Well, if the religious leaders, the chief priests and the elders denied Jesus' authority, the disciples, at least most of them, worshipped him as the resurrected Lord. Let's read verses 17 to 18 again. It says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The beginning of verse 17 tells us that the disciples worshipped him, meaning that they fell down in reverence at his feet, just like the women on Easter Sunday morning. They fall down and clasp his feet and worship him. Imagine the excitement and the awe of seeing their crucified Lord now standing before him. He's told them while he was with them that he would die at the hand of Gentiles, that he'd be placed on a cross and that he'd rise again in three days. And he did do that. We've seen that. But if we continue into verse 17, we see that some of the disciples doubted. What does that mean? Did all of them doubt or only some of them believe? Well, the Greek's a little bit unclear here. But look, it could be that their heads are so scrambled by seeing the risen Lord in front of them, they believe and doubt at the same time. After all, we all express mixed emotions every day of our lives. They were feeling as if they were in the pit of despair. And then all of a sudden, they see their Lord Jesus Christ standing before them alive. 
you know, you can imagine it. Of course they're going to have mixed feelings. I can't believe it. Here he is in front of me. Tears of joy. Can this really be the risen Christ? And really the only way that you would have solved doubts would have been to have heard and received Jesus' authority. See, with the words from Jesus' mouth here, the doubts start to shrivel. For disciples, Christ's resurrection and authority resulted in worship and it paved over all their doubts. Well, let's apply this to you and me. If the reality of Jesus' authority produces worship, is it producing worship in your life, in my life, right now? If Jesus is all the authority in heaven and on earth, does he have authority over every area of my life? Or are there bits of life that I'm closing off to Jesus? My time. My money. Am I struggling with doubts? Why do we as Christians continue to have doubts about the fact that God is in control, possibly even in the midst of this pandemic? As I've been looking at this passage, I've recognized it's exactly at that point where I don't recognize the authority of Jesus that I sometimes try to take control myself of my problems. Where sometimes I just lose it entirely because I can't control the situation. Even this past week, for me, looking at the death and lordship, or should I say, the death and the hardship that COVID-19 brings, it is horrendous. But when we rest on Christ's total authority, when we stop to think to dwell there, that Jesus has the whole world in his hands, it can release our doubts and lead to worship. But given the circumstances that we're in, some of you might think, well, surely Jesus is in control now. Look at all these people dying in hospitals and nursing homes. But the truth is, Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And so now, he has control of all things. And he has ordained all things for his glory and for our good. With Jesus in control, it means that you don't have to take control for yourself. After all, you don't have all authority, and I don't have all authority. For God has promised, Philippians 4 verse 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Let me repeat that. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Practically speaking, that means Jesus has control of your job situation. Whether you'll be on furlough, unemployed, employed, or you'll have to change job. The dilemma you're facing at home, or even the tragedy that's just knocked you for six. Through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, the problem of pain, of sin, and death, all of them fall on us before the feet of Christ. And as a Christian, you may be struggling with doubts and uncertainty. But recognizing Jesus' authority in our lives should produce 
passionate worship and should relieve our doubts. Let me ask you, how well are you living this out in the current circumstances? Is Jesus' authority producing vibrant worship in your life, or are your doubts taking away the truth? Are they stealing your joy? I encourage you to live under Christ's authority. He will lead you to worship as you release your doubts to him, as you let his authority rule in your life. Now, as we turn to our second point this morning, as we look at our passage, there should be another way that Jesus' authority should affect our lives. See, Christ's authority should drive us out to make disciples. Look at verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, to the very end of the age. Verses 19 to 20 are known, as you probably know, as the Great Commission, where Jesus commissions his disciples to make more disciples. And so we should be making more disciples. In fact, the main verb is to make disciples there. The other three, the going, baptizing, and teaching, they're all connected to that main verb of making disciples. And we can also see that verse 19 begins with the word, therefore. And when we see the word therefore, we need to ask, what is it therefore? Well, the therefore connects Jesus' authority with this command to make disciples. In other words, this command to go and make disciples is firmly grounded in the authority of Jesus. So not only does Christ's authority result in worship, it also drives us out to go and make disciples. In fact, I'd like to say that there's there's a, a simple connection between point one, worship, and point two, disciple-making. If a Christ's authority results in worship, then part of our worship should be us going out making the disciples. Do you see that? And let me say that again, maybe in a different way. Our worship, which is driven by Jesus' authority, should drive us out to tell others about this authoritative Jesus. It's like a boomerang. Christ's authority breaks forth in worship. It goes out and tells others and brings them back into worship. And then it goes out again with more disciples making more disciples. And so Jesus' resurrection authority fuels our worship. And then as worship, we go out and we make disciples. They see Jesus' resurrection authority. They worship the resurrected Christ. And then they go out and make disciples. And so if worship of Jesus is the context that motivates us to make disciples, do we then understand what making disciples means? Well, I think we get the facts of the Great Commission. We understand that we're going out to make disciples. Most of all, we get baptism part as well. We say that's up to George and Brian. They're the ones with a bit of plastic around their necks. The teaching element, well, we understand that as well. We're told that we're to be members, new creations in Christ. Uh, this teaching helps us to, to how we're supposed to think and how we're supposed to act. And at the end of our Sunday, we see where Jesus promises his Holy Spirit presence with us. I think most of us get that. We get the facts. But do we understand what making disciples means? I think often we don't fully understand that making disciples must involve relationships. Sometimes we think it's just quickly inviting people to church. 
passing them a gospel tract. No, that's evangelism. And that is important. And I really love you to be doing that. But as disciples, we need to make lasting relationships with others. We need to be involved with people. And that's messy. Evangelism, yes, that needs to be a part of it. But here Jesus is talking about the next step, discipleship. Spending time with people. Let me ask you, Christian, are you making disciples? As we worship Christ as Lord of all, we are motivated to go out and make disciples. We, we, you won't be concerned with avoiding these annoying people at work or those people who, who live beside you that you, you feel you can never get on with. No, you'll want to be involved in their lives. You'll be praying for them. You'll be calling them up. You'll be emailing them, Skyping them, getting to know them, leaving a little present at their door, maybe even talking to them at a distance. No, you'll love them so that they might worship Christ as Lord and become his disciples too. And you'll be on the lookout for others who need and want to be disciples of Christ. As people, please God, come come back to our buildings. As people even look for God on the internet, as you call your neighbor, we can be too busy to notice their needs. Our worship of the resurrected Christ should catapult us out to go and make disciples to spend time with people. And so is your worship of the authority of Christ driving you out, looking for people to tell them about Jesus. Well, this morning, we've learned that Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and earth, and this authority applies to us in two ways. First, it fuels our worship, relieves our doubts, and second, our worship could drive us out to go and make disciples. And these two points are connected. And some of you might be wrestling with the fact that Jesus has risen and has all authority. If that is you, I encourage you not to deny his authority, but to rest in it, to find out more about who Jesus is. Perhaps you're interested in learning more, and if that's the case, why don't you join that Christianity Explored course on the 27th of April? It's at 8 o'clock. Email me, brian at donaconyparish.co.uk. But for those of us who do believe in Christ's authority, is this producing a lifestyle of worship? And is that then driving you out? Or are you struggling with doubts? I challenge you to let Christ's authority lead you to worship him as he then relieves your doubts. And then be driven out to go and meet with people, spend time with them, talk with them, love them, pray for them, ask God to give you chances to share the gospel with them. Share your lives with them that they might worship Christ as Lord. But on this Sunday after Easter, let's remember Christ's authority and let that spur us on to worship. And may worship then spur us on to go and make disciples for his glory and for our joy. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Easter. When you raised up your son from the dead, we thank you, Lord, that you've given him all authority in heaven and earth. We pray that we would all recognize this authority, that we wouldn't doubt it, but worship you as Lord and then go out and tell others about Jesus. 
We pray these things to your glory. Amen. Amen.